Christmas story continues. Luke chapter 2, beginning of the 8th verse. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And, all, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord of Christmas, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you believe it's Christmas Eve? I mean, for real, can you believe that it's Christmas Eve? I mean, when, when you were a child, Christmas couldn't come fast enough. And then when you become an adult, it seems to come around so fast that it takes you by surprise, especially in a year like this. Now, I know that different families have different traditions. Some families open presents on Christmas Eve. Other families, like mine, Christian families, wait till Christmas morning. We were a Christmas morning family. But I'll tell you, it was hard to, it was hard to wait, especially when I learned that all my friends' families were pagan and they opened their presents on Christmas Eve. And so one, one year I went to my parents and I said, can we just open one present on Christmas Eve? And they said, no, we're not going to do that. I said, oh, come on, just one present. They're right there. They're under the tree. There'll be plenty left over for tomorrow. I said, can I please open one present? And my mom said, no, you can't open any presents tonight. And I remember, actually, I was told about this. I don't remember. I blocked it out of my memory, but, but, but I remember they told me, they said, at that point, you balled up your fists. You scrunched up your face, you stomped, and you said, I need Christmas now. I'm a little embarrassed about that, but not so embarrassed that I won't tell it to you now. You know, I kind of feel that way tonight. I don't know about you, but after the year we've had, 2020, we need Christmas, and we need it now. We need Christmas because of the lights. We need Christmas because of the commerce and the shopping, and we need it to stimulate our economy. We need Christmas to break us out of this perpetual Groundhog's Day. 
We need Christmas because we need something to celebrate. But most of all, we need Christmas because we need the Christmas story. And we need the truth behind it. As a child, it was hard waiting for Christmas. And Christmas Eve just seems like the longest night of the year. And I always thought that that was just because of my impatience. But as it turned out, as a little kid, I was pretty close. Christmas Eve is almost the longest night of the year, at least within seconds of it. The actual longest night of the year is the winter solstice, which falls on December 21st, this past Monday night. And so even though Christmas Eve is not technically the longest night of the year, it's pretty close. But there was also something else that happened on, on Monday night, something very special. On Monday evening, Jupiter and Saturn aligned within 10 degrees of each other, the closest that they have come in alignment for 800 years. A professor at Rice University has said that the last time that happened was in 1226 AD, and you won't see it again or anything like it until 2080. So I'm sorry if you missed it. But the fact is, on that night, because of those two coming together so closely, it looked like there was one big brand new star in the sky. And it was the brightest thing that could be seen if you had the right visibility. I want us to think about that because it gives me pause to understand that the brightest light in the sky in 800 years comes on the longest night of the darkest and seemingly longest year in recent history. I don't believe that's a coincidence. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it's a sign. Because as the psalmist says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The brightest light coming on the longest night in the darkest year. Right before Christmas, that's a reminder that God's brightest promises of Messiah have come in the darkest moments of our history. Whether in times of expulsion, or siege, or exile, or oppression, or persecution, the Lord's promises of Christmas, of a Savior, have always come and have always been brightest when the people need it most. If you would, please turn in your bulletin to a passage in Galatians, chapter 4. Writing about the birth of Christ, the Apostle Paul said this. When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The Apostle Paul says that from the time humanity was young, we have been enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. 
We have been in a great darkness. It's Paul's way of saying we are in quite a mess. The elementary principles of this world, as Paul calls them, are the basic problems and the overwhelming tragedies of human life, of everyday living, the hard realities of life that make life hard. And starting with Adam and Eve, our sin, our disobedience, our rebellion, our ignorance, and finally our estrangement from God has broken our lives and it's broken our world. Selfishness, poverty, racism, injustice, riots, They've all become the norm. Hunger, thirst, scarcity, violence, conflict and pain, death and disease, darkness have become an an expected, basic part of every day and every news cycle. These elementary principles are so prevalent that they just seem normal. And we've become numb to them. Broken families. Broken communities, broken hearts, broken minds, broken dreams. This was the situation, says Paul, in the days of the tyrant Caesar Augustus, in a dark year in Judea, on a dark night in Bethlehem. But it was on that dark night that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. On that night, humanity was trapped, enslaved to these so-called elementary principles of the world. But on that night, when God was ready, when the time was right, when humanity needed it the most, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. God didn't send us a program. He didn't send us a platform or a process or a power or a product. He sent us a person. Not a tool to use. Not even an object to revere. But rather, a savior to lead us. At the first Christmas, God the Holy Spirit performed the most mind-blowing biological and spiritual experiment that the universe has ever known. He made God truly human and made a man capable of being fully God. He reconciled sinful humanity with sinless divinity. He did something that has never been done before. The Word became flesh. This is the great miracle and mystery of Christmas. We call it the Incarnation. Several years ago, Max Lucado wrote a great little book based on Christmas from what I would call a heaven's eye view. The name of the book is Cosmic Christmas. And in that book, he says that while we think of the baby Jesus looking like any other human baby, crinkled nose, wet hair, and a diaper, this book describes how the baby Jesus might have looked to the angels that were circling above. He writes, do you know who you hold, Mary? You secure the author of grace. 
He who is ageless is now moments old. He who is limitless is in your embrace. He who strides upon the stars now has legs too weak to walk. The hands which held the oceans are now an infant's fist. To him who has never asked a question, you will teach the name of the wind. The source of language will learn words from you. He who has never stumbled, you will carry. He who has never hungered, you will feed. The king of creation is in your arms. How glorious, how wonderful to see Christ as he truly is, as the son of God. But he was also the son of man. Paul says that he was born of a woman, born under the law. That's Paul's way of saying that he was born like us, and he lived like us. He had a childhood. He was a teenager. He had chores. He was part of a group. He had a job and a family and ancestors and was part of a community. He lived in real history, and he lived in real time. And you know what? He was not above the law of God but rather he set himself under the law. He was born into the same world in which we live. And at Christmas, we celebrate that he who was great became small for love of us. That he who lacked nothing gave up everything for love of us. That he who could not die gave up immortality for the love of us. Our beloved pastor and friend, the late Louis Abendon, once said that powerless love is stronger than loveless power. And one of the reasons that I believe Louis loved Christmas is because the Son of God became the embodiment of powerless love. He didn't send a representative. He didn't send a substitute or a stand-in. He didn't send a stunt double. He became one of us. And that's why he understands us. That's why he gets us. That's why he gets our pain and our trouble. He came into the mud and the blood and the mess and the stress of human existence to prove that he understands both our joys and our struggles. At Christmas, Christians declare that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, that he is not just God, that he is God with us. But Paul in this passage also points to to another important element to our understanding of the Christmas story. He reminds us that Jesus is not just God with us, he is also God for us. Listen to what he says. God sent his son to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God did not send his son to make us slaves or minions or subjects, but to make us his children. God gave us his son so that he could be our father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child of God. And if a child, then an heir 
through God. As children of the King, we are no longer slaves to those elementary systems of brokenness, war, poverty, injustice, and corruption. We're no longer slaves to self-destructive immorality or violence or greed. God has opened the cage that has humanity trapped and said, it doesn't have to be this way. There is another way. There is my way. And I am the way and the truth and the life, says Jesus. The idols of our world and the systems that have held us no longer have any claim or no longer have any authority over our hearts, over our minds, over our souls, or over our strength. They are nothing to us anymore. As a friend of mine says, we are bought for and we are fought for by Jesus Christ. And Jesus didn't just come to set us free. Jesus came to bring you home. As Revelation promises, Christ will come again to claim his people, to claim his bride. As children of his father, he gave us a new home. He has given us a new address. Do you remember the hymn we just sang? All ye citizens of heaven above. He has given us a new citizenship because he doesn't want to just love us and set us free. He wants to love us so much that he wants us to live with him as his children. And because you are his son, because you are his daughter, you are no longer a slave to sin. It doesn't have to be this way. You are no longer enslaved to those broken principles of this broken world. Because your identity is in Christ. You are a child of God. And Paul says that while the angels sing glory to God in the highest, God has given us a new song an even better song in our hearts. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. As glorious as the angel's song is, this song is even more glorious. Abba, Father. It means Daddy, Father. It means Papa, Father. This is not a title of proper protocol. This is a name of personal affection. Paul is saying that in these troubled, unprecedented times, we have more than a God. We have a Father. And your Father wants you to come home to Him. I don't know what brought you here tonight. But whatever reason God brought you here, I want you to hear this. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? The mission of Christmas, the message of Christmas is to tell those who don't have a family or friends, who feel like they don't have any people, that God says, you are my people.
you have a family of faith and the friendship of God. Our mission is to tell those who are lost that you have been found. To tell those who are homeless that you have a home. To tell those who need a father that in God you have a father. This is the God who knows your name. This is the God who loves you and who has the power to make a difference in your life, not just forever, but for today. This is the God that you can call on right now. The apostle says that we are enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And so when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. To that I say, amen, and Jesus, we need you now. But I have to ask you this. What are the elementary principles of this world that have you enslaved? What are the elementary principles of this world that have you trapped or pinned down or confused or anxious or depressed or lost or scared or separated from God? Is it fear of COVID? Fear of losing your job or your business and not being able to support those who work for you? Is it conflict with friends or estrangement with family members? Is it addiction beyond your control? Is it a broken heart? Or a tortured mind? Or pain in your soul? Beloved, the Christmas story tells us that no matter what enslaves you, no matter how basic, how fundamental it seems, God has sent his son who understands you better than we will ever know and who loves you more than you can ever imagine. Paul says that the Lord has sent his Holy Spirit to put a new prayer in your mouth and a new hope in your heart. The Holy Spirit comes in our longest night, in the longest year that it seems we've ever had, to remind us that we are not alone, but that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That he is not just the God who wants to be our liberator and our leader and our Lord, but that he is our Father. And because of Christ Jesus, we can cry out to him in our darkest moments. And you know what? This is not just a promise for people back then when they needed it most. And it's not just a promise for everybody else because they seem like they really need it. This is a promise for you right now. Even as the angels sing, do not be afraid. Glory to God in the highest. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with a new song so that you too will cry out. Abba, Father.
Will you pray with me? Abba, Father, on this Christmas night, we need you. We need you now. Our time is full. Our hearts are heavy. We feel hard-pressed on every side, and we need you. Lord, we are responsible for so many of the conflicts and burdens that we carry. We have broken so much in our own lives. We've broken so much in the lives of other people. We need you. But Lord, there are circumstances that are beyond our control as well, and we need you. And so we pray, oh God, that just as you sent your son into the world on that long, dark night, you will send him into our hearts right now to be Emmanuel, so that we will know that we are not alone, that you are God with us, so that we will not be afraid, and so that we may call out to you in our moment of greatest need, Abba, Father. I pray this in the name of your Son, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.